everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. Uh, with I am your host, Timuchin, and with me today is our usual crew. Uh, now the infamous with a singing Paul Bickler is with us. Paul, how's it going? How are you dealing with the old fan mail you're getting after the singing last week? Listen, I know you got a tri-tip waiting for you. I'm not trying to hold that situation up, okay? I do have a tri-tip. If you have never had it, Costco has a tri-tip. It is to die for people. Uh, so uh, it's kind of like waiting for me to get going on the grill over here. So, Jamie, how are you doing this Memorial Day? Oh, fantastic, lads. So we'll kind of like there's a bunch of stuff to kind of like various stuff to talk about. But before we get to everything, we'll do our usual stuff. Uh, we'll start with Jamie's 60 seconds. So, Jamie, it is all yours and go. Well, the big news Coming out of the club today or this week is um, we have officially signed Kanate from Leipzig, 22-year-old. Incredible aerial ability. We're going to know all about him in the coming weeks. I'm sure we're going to release all sorts of articles. Um, but towards the end of the season now, folks, so it's all all the news coming out of Liverpool is that Jurgen has been named manager of the month with uh, the 100% record for the last five games. Um, of course, the news about Graham Carter the uh, coach driver turned kit man, thanks to Gerard Houllier in 1999, is retired at 35 years with the club. And Mo Salah and Missy Boatcurrents were player of the season. Um, also on the official Liverpool website, it's goal of the season time. Vote now, people. But uh, if you don't, it's going to be Allison anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, Konade, we're definitely going to talk about, uh, along with like some of the other stuff that kind of like ties in with that. Uh, I kind of wanted to also talk about like the finals, uh, the Manchester losses. We can kind of like cover those, I feared. Uh, and then we'll also talk about like the Euros heading into it with the national team. Looks like uh, Trent might not be there, might be watching it next to me. So uh, with today's trivia comes from the Euros. So top scorer in a single Euro Cup tournament. Jamie, your guess. My mind automatically goes to Germany and closer, but I know he's got the most, the most. Inter- I, yeah, you're going World Cup there. I know which one you're talking about. Exactly. Um, so most goals in a European Cup. Wow. I don't want to say. Tournament. I don't even want to say his name, but Thierry Henry. I don't know. Hmm. Not a bad one. Bigler, what you got? I have no idea, but for some reason, my mind went to Figo from Portugal. Hmm. You guys got the countries going, but okay. Uh, We'll go back to the answer at the end of the podcast. Also at the end of the podcast, since we did some serious hearing damage last week with Paul Bickler singing to celebrate, making the Champions League and all that kind of stuff, uh, we're kind of like doing something different and getting some actual singing on the podcast today. Uh, So we're going to have actually a piece from like Ash Harris at the end of the episode. Uh, I figured it would be a great way to kind of like uh, do the farewell. Uh, if you are not familiar with her, she's actually from the Michigan area, uh, originally from like Warrington, right by Liverpool, and that's some great music. Actually, we're hoping like she can kind of like do uh, kind of like all the Liverpool songs for us so that newer fans kind of like get used to the lyrics and stuff like that, because God forbid they learn from Bickler singing last week. We just do not want that. Right, Paul? And big up the Warrington crew, because I got a few friends from Warrington too as well. That's amazing. She's a Warrington last that's passed. Yeah, she's. Uh, I was asked. I was talking to her earlier today, and she says she's from like Warrington. I knew she was from the area, like Liverpool area. I just didn't know exactly where. I didn't know she was actually from Liverpool, but uh, but she's in the Michigan area right now. Uh, I think she's with Detroit's actually group. Uh, but yeah, we'll get her some. We'll get some proper singing at the episode as a farewell, and go from there. And then maybe Paul will kind of learn some stuff, pick up some stuff along the way. I don't know why you got to keep bringing up how bad I was. Like I voluntarily got on here to do that. You're welcome well, for winning the podcast. I'm telling you, the listens were off the roof. Listen, I'll, <laughs> I'll have you know I take full responsibility for us getting in Champions League. Okay. <laughs> I, I still believe. I still I believe in like things like that. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't you know turn it on if we're winning, turn it off if we're losing, stuff like that. So. I really think you had a part to play with it, Paul. So we can thank you for that. I really uh, Konate, 
that one for sure. Kanate <laughs> thanks you for that because then by coming to Liverpool, he can be in the Champions League next year. I uh, watched a little bit of it earlier today uh, before the game for like Turkey started uh, when he was playing for the under 21s for France. Actually, he was like captaining them and stuff. Uh, so, Jamie, let's start with you. What do you make of the signing? It was probably one of the worst kept secrets over the last week or so. But uh, now that it's official, what's your take? You got to love some early business, don't you? I mean, we all know he's highly rated. Um, but again, brilliant business from Liverpool. It's, it's good to see it done early. I mean, simple as that. Great signing, done early. What's not to love about this one? What is not to love except maybe the injury stuff? I think the only negative I see is the concerns of that, especially knowing the group that he'll be joining. So what is your take on that, Paul? Um, so if you look at it, he's had one major injury. He came back and then essentially had a muscle tear um, that put him back out. Um, he's missed a lot of – like he reminds me a little bit – the injury time he's missed, though, reminds me a little bit of Jordan Henderson and the fact that like he's missed a lot of precautionary time, like time where they just held him out. Uh, uh, I think part of that is is like Leipzig is pretty deep at center back. So I think they knew – with him and up and those are two of their guys that are essentially their biggest assets money-wise that they're going to move. So I think maybe part of it was the, just them pl- like being super safe with them. Um, I mean, I think I brought this up before, like the injury stuff doesn't concern me too much because I've got to believe that a club like Liverpool, who certainly doesn't miss often in the transfer window has probably done some pretty, huge due diligence on him um, in terms of like looking at his injury records and stuff. And then if you look at it for every player that has an injury record or injury past, um, there's a Joel Matip who came from Schalke with absolutely nothing on his injury record. And we've seen what's happened since. So it's like, I feel like sometimes we can get a little bit hyper-focused on that when in reality um, it's a, it's a game with a lot of physical contact and, and you just really never know. Yeah, I think part of it comes from the fact that we've had so many issues from that position. So when we sign somebody that's more than like their history and what they did, that's probably what the first thing people are looking at is like, is he going to be injured though? And stuff like that. So um, so this kind of like shapes up our center back positioning in a way, or at least puts an extra twist into it. Because now uh, obviously we have Van Dyke, Gomez, Matip, and Kanade, and we still have Phillips and Williams uh, in the works. Uh, oh, option was not picked up. Um, the rumors are uh, Leipzig, and then I also heard like rumors today about Leicester City uh, being interested. Uh, I know where you stand on this, Paul. Like it's kind of like a missed opportunity uh, in terms of like you know signing him for the price he was at. I mean, I watched him today. Uh, playing for Turkey, I just love how comfortable that kid is on the ball uh, when they're building from the back. But uh, so, where does this leave us? Do you think uh, going into the season, pretty much done with Kabak for sure now, right? It appears that way. Um, you know, we talked about this. I don't really understand that one, just because I think, from a sheer business standpoint, at the very least, you hang out. Over years and his value just goes through the roof because I think his ceiling's so high. Uh, I also think he's a really good tactical fit for us. Uh, in my opinion, like we could have held him and essentially loaned him out to another bottom Premier League club. Um, I feel like the one thing that you could say was your concern with him is he's he's young and he's good enough to be playing. You don't want him buried at, at the fourth spot on the depth chart. So. Um, I mean, my thing is, I think, I think we could have gotten him and loaned him out, but, and I don't think like, I don't buy this, like, it, you know, it appears the club either said it's either Kabak, it's either Kabak or Kanate, uh, one or the other. And I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get that because I feel like we've got enough moving pieces and, and enough dead wood that surely there's some bit parts that we can sell off and essentially pad that money because I mean, at 18 million, it's, it's, kind of crazy not to but there's got to be something going on we don't we don't know about because this to me is one of the rare misses that we've made in terms of a, a of not making a deal that makes a lot of sense um but yeah if, if we're done with him if we're moving on from him um Kanate is going to be a big time big time player i mean he looks the part he's got the physical build um 
I don't, you know, there's a lot of supporters that are like, Oh, he's going to have to come in and, and compete with Matt for the number two spot. And I'm like, well, a, what about Gomez and B like, we're not spending 40 million on a dude who's going to come in and battle for a three spot. He's going to start. He's in, and um, if you know anything about sort of his, his background, um, I think he's going to be a complete stud. Um, so it, it looks like Kanate is going to slide into that two spot. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't know what kind of Gomez we're going to get back off this injury, um, especially considering the fact that he's racked up a number of serious ones now. Um, and then Matip is under contract. Like, like we're not going to move him unless he wants to move. Um, you know, Matip's got a lot of value, even though he's got injury issues. Like he's probably our best defender when on the ball in terms of it with it at his feet, um, distributing out of the back. Um, so that kind of like Van Dyke, Kanate, Gomez, Matip, I don't know if you do much better for, for four, um, for four at the, at the depth spot. And I don't think, you know, all the rumblings are, we're going to keep Nat. I don't know, man. I, I, I still think I still can't see a situation where we don't benefit from his form and cash in on him. Um, you know, we've talked about how I don't necessarily buy into the fact that he's a fit for the Highline system. Um, so I could see us selling him. Reese Williams apparently is going to go out on loan, or at least they're trying to move him on loan. Um, and, you know, Klopp, he doesn't like to commit to a whole lot of bodies at one position, even when we've had these issues before. Um, sorry to kind of ramble on there, but there's a lot sort of to, to get in on that that one. So before you finish your rambling, let me ask you this real quick before we go to Jamie. So before Konate, who was your number two next to Van Dyke? Everybody's healthy. Who's starting next to him? I think Kabak would have started over Gomez personally. I think he would have beat him out. But over Matip as well? Yes. Really? But yes. Um, okay. I was I was that high on him um, because um, – I think he is the future for someone. And I thought he would, could have been the future for us. Um, I, I just have this funny feeling that Gomez is going to lose some, he's going to lose some quickness. Like I I'm afraid that we're not going to get the player back that, that we had when he was injured. Um, and, and we'll see if he, if he comes back and he's even 80% of what he was before, he's probably the number two um, before Kanate. Uh, like if we hadn't gotten Kanate, I think he probably would have gotten a number two. I just think that his recovery is going to be longer. And I, and I think that we're just, I don't buy that. We're going to get a fully fit, fully um, the pace that we, we expect from him. Yeah. So that's odd. You say that. Cause I don't, I mean, I would not put Kabak as two. I personally actually would have put, if everybody's healthy for me, Matip would be two. Uh, just because, especially when we play home against like, you know, like the low block and stuff like that for the reasons you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I agree on Kabak in terms of having a huge ceiling. And I just hope uh, if you have the will to learn Turkish, uh, we do a podcast with my brother in Turkish about uh, like Turkish soccer and stuff like that. And um, one of the things we were talking about is like, which one would be better for him. I really hope he goes to a team like Leipzig over Leicester. Cause I don't see him starting over definitely not Chalar uh, and Fofana. So he's the kind of kid. I think he needs more playing time and I can see Leipzig buying him for cheap. And then in two, three years, uh, make another Konate out of him and, you know, like sell him for like 50, 60 million. So Jamie, who would be before Konate? Let's start with that. Who was your number two center back? And then with Kanade, does that change? Probably Gomez. And then obviously with Kanade, Kanade goes in at number two um, for me. And then you're still on the we should hang on to Phillips club? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I, on the – I agree that we sell while high because he will never – I don't think – fit the system i mean love the story love the kid and really he did the job for what we needed but if we're going to go back to how we were playing and everything i know everybody says you know oh like he'll be even better next to van dyke and stuff but i mean van dyke is not going to make him faster so he's not going to be able to cover area as fast and that's kind of like my 
uh, deal with that. But I guess we will see. I mean, I almost feel like it, this was good to get the, this business done early. Uh, but then I think we kind of like wait and see now till the euro is over before anything else kind of happens. There's like, like a bunch of rumors uh, flying around. And obviously, if we address every single one, we'd probably be here forever. But let's talk about these finals first. Um, out of let's start with the the Europa, the never-ending penalty kicks. Uh, what is your take on that? I mean, I don't know if you guys were able to watch it. I when I looked at the game, I totally forgot about the Europa final. To be honest, uh, when I looked at it, United was losing one zero, and I'm superstitious like that. I didn't want to fucking turn it on and jinx it. Uh, so I didn't turn it on until actually it was one one, and then got to watch the overtime and stuff. But uh, Jamie, did you watch the game? I didn't see it. Um, I had to work, but um, got to see the end enough of the penalty shootout, which, I mean, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> there we go. I was, Last time I was at Anfield was the Middlesbrough uh, Cup game where it was like 23 consecutive penalty scored. So I kind of know what it's like to witness something as mad as that. Um, but uh, yeah, for a final, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was tense. If I if it was Liverpool, I don't know if my heart could take that, uh, especially at this age. Uh, Paul, did you get to see the comedy? I did. I did. I don't... I was trying to think when the last time I remember seeing De Gea stop a PK was. Like, yeah, I would I think that, like, I would think that you would just get lucky at some point, right? I mean, and then I heard, you know, he had all the notes and then didn't study the notes or whatever. And I don't know if that's just general shit talk or true, but like, I don't know how you go through that many and at least don't guess. Like, I mean, the thing was, he wasn't even guessing right on the sides. Like, um, I don't know. It was pretty wild. It was wild. And like I said, my brother's a United fan, unfortunately. And I know he was kind of like fuming about it. And he, I don't know if this is true. He said something about like Henderson's rate is like save is like 38% or something like that. So it's even more shocking that they didn't do a substitution to bring him in for the penalties instead of, you know, he was constantly subbing people in to take penalties almost felt like uh, kind of like, I mean, I don't know if it was one of those deals where like the hair brought us here. So, you know, like we're going to let him take it all the way. But what I found interesting actually during the broadcast, uh, which is horrific in some ways, mind you, but uh, one interesting tidbit I thought was they were talking to Schmeichel, who actually said he would not look at any of those notes and just kind of like go out of instinct alone. And then they were also asking like Rob Green, who was the commentator in the game. Uh, and he was saying like he would have memorized everybody's tendencies and like you know reads and stuff like that. But I mean, you he was not even close. I thought you know Villarreal and that was their backup goalie, uh, which I mean obviously in penalties it doesn't matter if you the starter or the backup. It's more like you know some goalies are just better at it. Uh, but the dude looked like he could have saved three, four of them before that, and they was not even getting close. Looked like they could have taken another like ten of them, and it was not going to happen. And now for him to miss it at the end is icing on the cake. But that was kind of like, you know, fun to watch as the uh, the third party. And especially with the results, it was semi-comical and got that out of the way. And I honestly, I thought, like I said, I didn't watch the entire game, but I thought in the overtime, uh, Villarreal was like the, the team that looked closer to winning, to be honest with you. It was almost like United was waiting for the penalties. But And then the Champions League final this weekend. Let's touch up on that. Because uh, I thought it was some things were like shocking to me. Uh, Paul, we'll start with you on that one. Did you take a gander at that one? Yeah, I did. I was in and out. I was working, but I, I did catch uh, like the extended highlights and stuff afterwards. Um, man, dude, I feel like you know, like Pep kind of pulled the Jurgen Klopp, where he just sort of like overthought it. You know, like this is similar to what we did in the Champions League. I feel like um when we got bounced but like in the off that first leg i mean i don't understand how you go against uh you know Jorginho and conte in a midfield and you decide you're not going to start it like for the first time all year you're not going to start rodri or fernandinho or one of your dms in there and you're basically going to seed the entire midfield and just hope that you can beat them on the flanks like that it doesn't make any sense to me i don't really like I feel like if you're going to make, if that's going to be your tactical decision and you're known as like a tactical genius, you probably deserve to lose that way. 
Like, I don't know. Yeah, because I know, I think, like, Fernando came in, or was that, like, in the 70th or somewhere like that, and other commentator was like, you don't question Pep. He's not putting an offensive player. I was like, yeah, because I think he realizes the mistake. It took freaking yeah. 70 minutes to fix it, because I found that shocking as well, that they would not play. And that's funny you say that, because I thought the same thing. The first Real game in Champions League is what I thought of, where we kind of tried to out-scheme stuff and got out of our groove. Uh, and especially City was a team in the groove. Uh, so I thought they were going to actually handle easily. I don't want Chelsea to win over City because that wasn't an option. Uh, but only because, you know, I can only imagine Lampard watching that and just getting more and more pissed off. That was probably like the joy of imagining how pissed off he is seeing this team. But uh, Jimmy, what did you make of that? Yeah, well, uh, back to the Europa, first off, just when when you seen Alberto Moreno score his penalty, I knew it was over. Um, moving to the Champions League final, um, yeah, the, the lineup wasn't a great choice, really. Um, don't know really what he was thinking. Um, just blew it, you know, all the money in the world, and 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 couldn't get it right on the night. So yeah, couldn't be couldn't be happier. I mean, Chelsea did look good. I mean, when they scored, it was just like like it was coming. Like you could tell. And I mean, like, Werner, man. I mean, I, you know, let's hope he never gets his groove and mojo in terms of scoring uh, for our sake. But because he doesn't get into good situations and obviously he has the speed to, like, go at people and he has the size. But, man, his finishing is just, just scary. So, Pickler. The memes have been hilarious, too. I mean, yeah. so let me ask you, uh, as the American here on the podcast, because uh, we were talking about this on our Discord channel after the game ended. I mean, they were making it sound like Pulisic basically won the Champions League. So you're the guy who's obviously American from here. What is your take on that? I mean, obviously, it was kind of like an exaggeration. They just went overboard. But does that really mean a whole lot to the average U.S. fan? I mean, I think the average U.S. fan cares way too much about that. But I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't follow the men's national team as closely as most, like, soccer fans in the U.S. do. Just because I have my own personal issues with the setup in this country in the way that, like, I get frustrated about our team selections and the lack of identity, uh, et cetera. I think there was too much being made of that. I mean, look, there's a lot of excitement because, like, the U.S., you know, our, our biggest international star before that was like Landon freaking Donovan, right? I mean, like when he was at Everton, that was like as big as it got for us. Jack Dempsey at Fulham, you know, like those were like, those were the highlights for us, you know? So like Freddie Adu never did what he was supposed to do. So like, I mean, we get really excited that we've got a, a golden boy over there doing well. I mean, Pulisic is a huge talent. He's a tremendous talent. Um, I don't think he's durable enough for the Premier League. Um, I think he's probably a little bit overhyped, but he is a dangerous player. And I think I think from Americans, he gets overhyped. And from the rest of the world, he gets a little bit underhyped. So I think that the truth sort of lies right in the middle for him, um, in my opinion. I think it's partially like the media thing, too. Like, I, you know, it's... I mean, I was kind of like telling you guys, I know, I mean, the Turkish media does the same crap. Like you'll watch, you know, you'll see a headline in the Turkish, like the websites and it will be like, you know, Korkmaz carried the 76ers to a win and then he'll have 11 points. Like indeed he had like freaking like 35 or some shit like that. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, he was there. I mean, I'm sure he played decent, but he wasn't the one carried. And it's always the same way. And if you're not following it, and I think that was my thing, like somebody who's not really, following the game, following soccer uh, or the Champions League, you look at all those headlines and you're like, man, look at this. We have like an American kid over there like carrying the whole team. Uh, So, I mean, I think that, like I say, I kind of know the media side of it because I see the same thing when it happens to like Turkish players, which regardless of what sport. Uh, Jamie, is that a thing in Ireland too or what's going on? I mean... Jeez, it's been that long since an Irish player has been involved in the Champions League winning team. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, it's a difficult one. Um, nation's pride, obviously, very, very high in, in smaller countries and and 
certainly in America too. So I mean, why not? But um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't watching the uh, the American stream. So when when I seen you guys were talking about, it, I was like, what the hell is going on? And then it was like, oh yeah, okay, of course, America just won the Champions League. But uh, I thought it was um, I thought it was a bit of a slight um, to kind of like the women's football team because they've been dominating <laughs> world football for years, and it's like I don't know that. Obviously, it's a totally different kettle of fish that the European champions men um, versus the women's team. But I, I don't know. It just didn't really affect me. But um, I can certainly see why it pissed a few people off. I mean, there's like the national pride thing. I mean, like I said, I was trying to put myself in that situation. If I don't know, like Jenga's in there or somebody, you know, like Lester was doing well and he comes in in the 60th minutes and he does well and throughout the season, he did things here and there. I mean, you know, you'd be like, hey, man, you know, good for him. Like, I'd be happy for him. Uh, I just don't know if I would kind of like take it as, like I said, it was almost presented as he was like carrying them there. But I agree. I think he's a great talent uh, I know way back when we were the options for it, I thought he was overpriced and it was more like a marketing thing than anything else. And his durability has been an issue, but he is in the toughest league in terms of that. I think physicality wise, uh, maybe if he did stay in Germany, he would probably be like, you know, a lot more successful and maybe not as much. Cause I mean, it is a much tougher, more physical league. I know there are leagues like La Liga and stuff where, it's dirtier maybe, uh, but I feel like Premier League is definitely more physical overall, like throughout the field, especially like the pace and everything like that. Uh, so what is the takeaway from that final then and all the season at the end of the day, Paul, like you walk away from that final thinking what? Uh, I mean, that's football. You can, I, I think, you know, like, I, I I think about Jose Mourinho saying the better team lost, right? Like, I mean, that, that happens in football, right? I mean, depending on what you put out. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a sort of poetic justice justice to it for me. When you look at how much, like, I feel like the general media has spent the majority of this year, just drooling over Pep Guardiola. And like how he's this tactical mastermind, this beautiful football, who cares that he spent 180 million pounds on fullbacks in three years. Like, you know, like they taught, like, I don't know, man, like they just built this team up, this team up and, and gushed about it. And this is probably just me being bitter because we had to look at all that post-game bullshit at the end of the year where they won uh, the Premier League and listen to it. But like, I just thought it was sort of fitting that like, you know, you can have a loaded team and you can have some incredible talent, but if you don't put the right pieces in the right places over 90 minutes, you can lose. And um, my one, I did feel bad for, for De Bruyne to go out like that. You know, like that was a, that was a tough thing to see, you know, broken orbital bone, broken nose. Like that's, I mean, that's tough to get all the way to the final and be an integral part of your team and then go out, you know, two thirds of the way through it like that. I did feel bad for him, but um, I think it, it, it's football, right? I mean, cause I think to me, like, you know, city is built for the long haul. They're going to be, can, they're going to be heavy, heavy competition and probably favorites going into next year. Um, and Chelsea, I still think is a work in progress. I mean, they played better since Tuchel's been there, but like they, they have, you always want like they're, they're solid defensively, but they've yet to click offensively and fire in all cylinders. And they're an interesting team where I think they have some underperforming veterans um, and stars, and they have some, some young talents, some Academy kids that I think are punching above it uh, and playing better. Um, so they've got this interesting mix. Um, and I don't think, you know, they haven't peaked yet. And I, you know, I think that, like, I would not be surprised next year to see them maybe not even make top four. You know, like they're, they're up and down. So for them to come through and win a Champions League final is like, it's just a big, that's a big time, uh, that's a big time result for them um, over City. So it was, it was shocking to me. I mean, because City, like, you know, we talked about it. City was in a group. All they had to do was put their best 11 out there. And I think they win that game. So, uh, but, but like I said, that's football, you know, you can get beat on any day if you don't have 
the right pieces in the right places. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if they start with a, their regular lineup and kind of like, you know, like keep Rodri or Fernandinho in the middle of the field, they probably win eight out of 10 times. But it's just like, I mean, that's why the finals, like anytime cup tournaments can kind of be kind of be brutal sometimes and like crushing, even though when you had the better team and stuff like that. Uh, Jamie, what was your takeaway? You walk away from the final or from the... Um, Kai Harvard's uh, post-match interview kind of left a lasting <laughs> memory for me. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, the one where he curses live on British TV, BT Sports. He's, he gets asked a, a few questions and he, he's, he's struggling to hear over it. And he says, uh, the interviewer asked him, he says, um, Kai, you, you know, you had a difficult season. You, you obviously got a big price tag over your head, a lot of pressure. Kai Harvard just looks at him and goes, Man, I don't give a fuck. We've just won the Champions League final. <laughs> oh, yeah. Direct quote. Like, oh, it's oh, hilarious. Um, but yeah, big takeaway for me is we were a center back for an extra couple of months away from 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 probably beating Real Madrid and, and making our way to the final that day. That's that was my main takeaway. It was um definitely nice to see City lose. Um, drink in those tears but uh, yeah I thought with an ounce of luck we could have been there you know yeah I'll be honest I was like man I don't even know if I want to watch this it was almost like too painful to turn it on and not be there uh, but it's soccer I'm a sucker so I ended up uh, turning it on and like watching it anyway and it was like a you know decent game to watch it wasn't like too close I mean usually finals are not well played I was just shocked to see that lineup. And yeah, I, I think it's funny you say that, Paul, because I I really think that's actually makes Chelsea a bit uh, more worrisome uh, as we head into the next season, because I feel like they can click. And if they add one or two more pieces, uh, they might be a top contender. Uh, I think going in. OK, let me ask you this, Paul, like going into next season, uh, who has a better shot at challenging for the title? Uh, United or Chelsea? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Probably, I don't know. Probably Chelsea. Probably Chelsea. Just because there's more, there's more pieces. They're, they're deeper. They're definitely deeper than United is. You know, I mean, we saw a different United, even though, like, you know, we all make fun of Harry Maguire. They struggled when he went out. Um, you know, they extended Cavani. Cavani's been a huge lift for them. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, with United, they've got fewer – they've got fewer moving parts that they can bring in and out. So probably Chelsea just based on depth alone. Um, and I do think, you know, like – I. man, I do think Timo's going to find it. I mean, he's, he may not set it on fire like we thought he was when he's going to come in. And it may take him some time, but I think he's going to find it. I think he'll he'll start putting some chances away. I think he's too good not to. Um, you know, a strike. You know, being a striker, sometimes you get in your own head, especially when you got a lot of pressure coming into a new league. Um, and he, like, I don't know if you saw it, but for that for that actual goal, like he created that goal by by the run he made, where he dragged the center back out, and like that's stuff we talk about for Mino. Um, not getting enough uh, recognition for. I think Timo does a lot of those things. He does a lot of those little things that may not show up as a goal, but that help the team overall, even though he's like, you know, been very poor in front of it and started putting away stuff. So I think he, I think he will find it. And yeah. So I guess I'd probably give it to Chelsea. Yeah. I, like I said, I really felt weak. I know like everybody's kind of like on the, the hater wagon because of like some of the goals. I mean, he has missed some like wide open stuff, but heck, I mean, our front three have missed some wide open stuff too this season, you know? And I think, yeah, if he figures it out, he will be dangerous. And I always saw him as he could be that guy similar to Bobby and fill in for Bobby. 
uh, in terms of like making those runs. And he has the speed that Bobby doesn't have. He's not as technical as Bobby, obviously, but uh, he has that speed. So I don't know if he would be as good in the link up play. Uh, Cause I do see some incidents where, you know, his passes are off and stuff like that, but I think he would bring that speed to the middle uh, be able to kind of like sucker, you know, suck the center backs out and then be able to like run behind them at the same time. Cause he does make a lot of good runs. Have a little more upsides right now, but maybe once he gets used to the pace, uh, he could be, he could be dangerous. So kind of like too easy to kind of like call him flop. I think people are kind of like jumping uh, on a conclusion way too fast on that one. Jamie, where do you, let me ask you that question. I, it was kind of like on the fly. I didn't plan on, going around asking this, but uh, talking about like Chelsea, who do you think is a bigger threat in the title race next year? Chelsea or United? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all Chelsea. assume City is going to be there, so. Definitely Chelsea. Like, they're, they're coming off the back of winning the Champions League. Like, they, they and, and deservedly so on the night. Um, yeah, regarding Timo, you're probably right. I hate to admit it. I'm just enjoying the fact that he's not hit the back of the target right now. Um, all the memes are priceless. Uh yeah, long may it continue, even though I I do feel like, Paul, it, it will click for him eventually. So let me guys ask another thing. I figure, you know, uh, I figure we wouldn't talk about the Euros too much this week, like get all the uh, the friendlies out of the way, and then we can kind of like take a peek at it, uh, see uh, which one of our boys are going to play where and stuff like that. I guess we can uh, talk about Trent at the end a little bit, so I want to get your guys' take on that too. But going into the off season. Which team do you guys think have like the biggest question mark in terms of what the heck are they going to do in terms of like adding, subtracting out of the top six? Paul, let's start with you. Uh, so within the top six or outside of the top six? Oh, within the top six. I mean, in terms okay. of, I guess, like, you know, the big six, I guess, if you want to call it. Who do you think has like the biggest questions to answer or will make kind of like the most shuffle in the offseason? Well, I mean, I think there's – I'll tell you what shocked me today is the news that City is looking to offload Raheem Sterling. Like, that was shocking to me. And I know that, like, basically they feel like Foden is the future and that he's in, but I don't think he's, like – to me, he's not as good out wide as he is centrally. But I think if you look at Sterling, he's, like – he's a dangerous player. Like, I hate the way he left Liverpool and his agent and all that. I'm not – and no way do I think we should try to get him back, but I, I just think he's a super dangerous player. And he's still really young. I, I, that was shocking to me. Um, I think the one that's like kind of the obvious one that I think is going to be really interesting this summer is Tottenham. Um, because obviously they're moving Kane, but they've got a lot of like, they've got a lot of things to address on that team. I mean, they're kind of a mess in the, in the back line. Like we don't know who the manager is going to be like, there's a lot of question marks. Um, and I don't think anything gets answered for them until the, you know, if Potch comes back, like that's going to be really interesting. Like, um, so I think Tottenham is going to be the one that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, Arsenal could be an interesting one as well, but I think Tottenham for me is probably, probably the most intriguing just because they've got uh, the talisman leaving uh, the managers up in the air and they've got a lot of parts they got to address. Yeah, that, I, I agree. And I think that might be one of the reasons that they're thinking of bringing Pochettino back, which has to be like an awkward, awkward conversation yeah. and a situation overall, first of all. Uh, but it almost looks like a desperate move by them just because at least we got this mess going. At least let's bring somebody who knows the mess and who knows what they're going to go into and already has an idea. And maybe they don't move want to move a lot of the parts and feel like, hey, he made these parts work at one point. I just feel like that has to be like a really, really awkward situation altogether to come and be like, hey, man, our bad. Can you come back kind of thing? It's just <laughs> just odd. Uh, Jamie, uh, do you go with Spurs too or a different shout? Yeah, I mean, Arsenal's a, a great shout there. Um, like Paul said, um, just a team that really underperformed last year and, and have been. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been a difficult time for them since... Uh, since Wenger left, but um, yeah, definitely Spurs or or Arsenal in the in the big six. Um, you look at the rest of the clubs; they've all seemed to have had a good year. So, yeah, I just don't know. Apart from like those two, uh, I really think like Spurs is was the top of my list as well. 
I'm intrigued to see what the hell United does in the offseason, especially with Pogba and stuff like that, because there's a lot of drama, I think, behind the scenes. And this loss can only, you know, if they had won this final and ended the season with a trophy, I think it'd be a totally different mood there. I mean, even the goalie for them is a question after that final uh, not trusting Henderson. I mean, the errors he's made. I mean, look at the you know the way he played in our game, for example. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast before, so that's going to be like a interesting to watch as well. Uh, so let me go back to when we were talking about you know when I mentioned the Euros about the whole Trent thing, and more than likely he seems to be the odd one outside of that. Here's another thing: Why the hell do they do thirty then cut it to twenty six? Is there like a reason for this? behind the madness like why not just freaking like what's going to change in a freaking week uh that they're doing 30 then cutting it down to 26 any thoughts on that no idea idea. we're just because i mean every national team is doing it it's just like why like just take 26 and freaking go like what's the big deal but uh so any thoughts on that jamie if trent is left out what is your take or do you even care i mean i only care just because i would think Trent cares. I know we always say as fans, all good, get ready for the season and stuff, but on a human level, and if you think of the kid, this is probably, I mean, this time last year, you know, this is probably what he was looking forward to uh, in terms of like, you know, like his like national career. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, all joking aside, you know, I always take the piss out of England any chance I can get. Um, but all joking aside, yeah, of course, he wants to play for his, his country. Uh, you know, nobody else is playing football right now. I'm sure he wants to be. Um, however, if he doesn't get picked, I don't think it's going to affect his career negatively. Um, in fact, I think it's probably going to spur him on to do to do better things for club level. Um, yeah, I don't really give a toss on uh, underneath it all. Uh, if England do well or not, I just want our, our lads to not get injured and go over there and get some minutes under their belt. Um, but if that means that Trent doesn't, no big deal for me. How about you, Paul? Um, I mean, I care just in the fact that I think that that's got to be incredibly tough from a professional standpoint. Um, like the national team is kind of like, that's, I mean, obviously your club career is what pays the bills, right? But the national team is sort of like something that, it, like that's part of your resume that's always kind of like, mention like how many national caps you have that's like a big like uh point of pride for these players and i just think it's categorically unfair for trent not to be in that side you know southgate will say well he doesn't fit what we're trying to do tactically um which basically insinuates that he is not as strong defensively as he wants uh, but you cannot tell me that he's not as good defensively, uh, you know, that Kevin Trippier is better than he is defensively because he's not. Like, there are players that, that are going above Trent that are not better than him defensively, and the stats bear that out. If you look at the defensive stati- uh, statistics on right backs, Trent's in the top one or two of every category. So um, it seems it seems personal when you look at it that way. Um, and so I feel for him just because – these things only come around every two years between Euros and World Cups. So that's, that's got to be tough for him to see. Um, I just, you look at the names that are going above him and I just, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I feel bad for the kid. I mean, the only thing that kind of, I guess, eases that, you know, pain and sympathy is the fact that he's so young. And he will have like, you know, multiple other opportunities for the World Cups and Euro Cups. And he has like an awesome career ahead of him. So if it wasn't for that, I would, I think, be more bummed. Like I say, I'm more bummed for him because like you're saying, I realize how much it means to these guys. The selfish fan side of us wants these guys. I mean, if we could, we wouldn't send anybody to any of the national teams. So they're healthy and they can be ready for preseason and stuff. But it doesn't mean a lot to these guys. Um Cause yeah, like you say, after the, you know, your club career, that's like your biggest pride thing. Uh, and with his age, I mean, it's kind of like sucks, especially if it wasn't for COVID and they played this thing last year, he was a shoot. You think about, you think about England, they're going to trot Harry Kane out there and they're going to put his big ass head in the middle of the field. And then you've got, you've got Trent Arnold with one, arguably one of the best right footed deliveries from the wing in all of football. And you're going to leave him off the team. Like it just, the whole thing makes zero sense to me. And so I feel for him. But yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. 
he'll be healthy. Um, but yeah. It's, when you yeah. take a look at it objectively, this is still Gareth Southgate we're talking about here. He's not exactly a, a, a tactician. <laughs> this is a guy who's famous for missing the Euro 96 penalty for England. You know, he's he was never a great player. <laughs> he was never a great manager. And we shouldn't really be shocked that he's making a shitty decision like leaving the world's best right back at home. It's a joke. It's It's laughable. We were actually talking about that, I mean, with my brother, because we were, you know, like talking about the Turkish national team and stuff. And they have like a coach who's like an older dude. He's like almost like 70 or whatever. And he's the same coach that got Turkey, like the third spot in the World Cup, uh, like a couple of World Cups ago and stuff. Uh, The national team coaching thing is kind of tricky. And I think that's why you need somebody more like that whose decisions are never going to be questioned and going to have like faith. And whereas I just don't understand how Satke got that position to be able to kind of, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the career and the experience that's going to have everybody say, Oh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, You know, when, like we were talking about the Champions League final, like when Pep doesn't throw the center midfielders out there, they were like, Oh, it's Pep. You don't question him. He must have a plan and stuff like that. It might be a stupid plan, but you still want somebody like that that is not going to be questioned in the locker room or over. Like, I don't know if that, like, does Kane think over there, man, I wish Trent was here so he can throw those, you know, bring those balls from the right hand side instead of like Trippier's crappy crosses. So it, it's kind of like a tricky spot. And I never understood why. Southgate is there, but if it helps the Turkish national team down the road, who cares? <laughs> so uh, let me answer the question since we're talking a little bit about the national team and the Euros. The top scorer is 1984. Any other guesses now? 84. Baggio? No, that's too early. Didn't there? He's French. Oh. He's a little crook like. Oh, go on, tell me. No. <laughs> Platini. Ah, no way. Uh, nine goals in the 84 Euros. He's actually tied now with the most goals scored overall in Euros with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, but he had nine goals. And I remember, because I'm older than you assholes. Uh, but uh, I mean, I remember, I mean, he was like a ridiculous player and I remember he would get, when they got a free kick in front of the box, that team freaking celebrated like they got a freaking penalty. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was almost that likely that he was going to freaking like score that one. And I just remember same thing with Coleman. I remember like whenever they got a, like a free kick, they were like, all right, we're, we're in business here kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah. I was hoping you guys would nail that, but I guess I'm the only guy who... Am I the only guy here who's watched Platini live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to ask you, Paul. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a year old. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so let me... One last question for you guys before we bid farewell and give people some actual singing. I Like I said, I didn't want to go into the podcast with every single rumor and address them because God knows there's like way too many out there. Uh, but let me guys ask you guys one at a time. The one that you heard that were like either hmm or what the fuck. Either end of the spectrum. The rumors you've heard over the week. Paul, you look like you had one ready to go there for a second. Which one do you have? No, I just was wondering if, like, you know, it's possible that maybe it's a good idea that maybe we get Phil Coutinho back. Like, we could talk about that <laughs> the 15th year in a row. And you know what's going to happen is, like, we're, you know, this is going to go on, and then when he retires from football, it's going to be, do you think we guys should have taken Phil Coutinho? Like, it's never going to end. For the, for the rest of our lives, we're going to hear this. Like, and I'm just – it's funny you mention that, Paul, because Torres just announced he's coming back out of retirement as well. Why don't we sign him? <laughs> him and Suarez and Coutinho, we could just bring them all back. Um, bring yeah. sexy back. <laughs> you know the one that you know one that we kind of popped up in our Discord channel. That's interesting uh, to me was the rumor about DACA at uh, Leipzig in, in Austria, right? RB in, in Austria. Um, he's the striker that we've been heavily linked with. Um, the 
original source is a really poor Spanish one. So take it with a grain of salt. Although we have been linked with him before, I think West Ham is very, very high on him as well. Um, but he is, um, he's a 20 year goal scorer who is excellent. And he kind of fits the mold of super pacey, direct attacking striker. Think like a larger, um, a larger, more dynamic Jata in terms of like physicality. Um, but his game is similar in just terms of like the fact that he likes to run at people. Um, and he does a lot of work defensively for a striker. Um, that's one that I'm very interested to see. Um, obviously, that's a team we have pretty strong ties to um, in terms of business ties to. Um, so it's possible. Like I said, all, all the all the like more legitimate uh, rumor sites have him heavily leaning to uh, like uh, involved with West Ham. So I don't know if it'll happen, but that is one that would make sense to me. Does it worry you that we've been linked with all like, you know, closely always linked bot players from Red Bull and stuff, but we haven't really been that successful with any of them. I mean, you just got to look at it. I mean, Mane was all right. Like we didn't get, him oh, I guess. There, right. But I mean, but we didn't get it from them. Like we kind of like got to see a test run at Southampton. Right. We let Southampton do the dirty work. And then we got (laughs) it. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's a legitimate point. Right. I mean, I think we're still feeling the burn from uh, like Minamino. Right. I mean, that's the main thing is we're like, we're still feeling the burn from that. Is a Bundes is a player from the Austrian Bundesliga ready for Premier League? And that's a legitimate question. What do you have, Jamie, out of all the junk you heard all week? Well, we just signed some 20-year-old um, Ghanaian kid. Who is that is official? Because I heard it was not accurate. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm pretty, well, he's only 20 years of age, so it's not going to be like um, front-page news or anything, but um, he's definitely for the youth squad. So I, I, I think it is official. Um, it's certainly, I've seen it in multiple sources, so. Um, but he is apparently supposed to be very good, so we've got a, a, a very decent youth setup um, breathing down the, uh, the first team first teamers next. So one thing I saw, which kind of like you know, interests me in two ways, I guess, was the fact that Shakiri was actually offered to Fenerbahce. Uh, so which you know we already have Mesut Özil, so I don't know if we need two attacking midfielders who do not run. Uh, or maybe put Shakira on a wing and then mess it in the middle and they could just like have a picnic up front while everybody defends. But um, what I thought was interesting is the fact that his price is only set at like six or seven. Does not seem like really low. I know he's up there in age, but isn't that low? Yeah, it seems low to me. I mean, we only got, we got him for 13, right? So we got him at a cut rate price, but I feel like we could probably get 15 for him. I would think. I was just going off of, you know, based off of what Edwards gets for people. Although his form is so bad. He put like when he played for Switzerland, he was not good. Like, and he was playing in that free roll 10, um, which is interesting because that's where he wants to play, but he did not play. He did not play great. So I don't know. Um, so is that low to you, Jamie? It seems fair, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah, he's probably depreciated in a, in a good bit of value since he hasn't played a whole lot. Um, I'd say that's on on. It, it's, I guess it's unfair to Shakiri, but it seems a fair price to me, if you know what I'm saying. Um, he definitely has a certain caliber in his locker. I mean, he's a two-time Champions League winner, but um, yeah, that's probably fair given COVID, etc., Everybody's wage book is uh, under a bit of stress recently. So, yeah, I'd imagine we hope to offload them for around that price. Yeah, I think part of it will depend on, I guess, you know, going back to what Paul was saying in terms of like how his play in Switzerland, I think it will kind of see how he does in the Euros and if he can kind of like see him, hopefully, as long as it's not against Turkey, I'm cool with it. Uh, if he does, it goes crazy against Italy or something like that, because he's in our group. But uh, so next week, uh, we'll kind of like uh, take a closer look at Euros, uh, give the favorites. I know Mateusz from our website is putting something together of all our guesses. Uh, we just actually published one for our 
uh, keep loan sell thing, which I kind of like want to go over as well. Cause I think we're on the same page in most cases look like with a couple of exceptions, Phillips being one of them, of course, we've already covered that. So gentlemen, thank you for joining me. It's going to be an odd and crazy Coutinho news filled a uh, couple of weeks here. And then I think once he retires, Paul, we're going to start talking about bringing him as manager to follow Klopp or Gerard at the time, if it's like Gerard's gig already. But yeah, it's just, it's a rumor that won't go away, but I'm sure there'll be a bunch of stuff, especially with the Euros. I feel like after every game will be linked with at least two players that played that day, but uh, we'll go over the Euros and then uh, we're going to leave you this week as advertised with some music from Ash Harris uh, you guys, I'm sure, will enjoy that definitely more than everybody enjoyed Paul singing last week. So, thank you again. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the ratings were really high, but that might be because everybody was like, man, you got to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> have a great week, everybody, and see you guys next week. started to become quite uncomfortable about knowing that my family could be there. He wears a shirt with pride and there upon his back. Or a name and a number that you can trace by. Not to the team before you, but near the Shankly Gate. Our 96 reasons that this fight remains And though the seasons change The message is the same So now the truth's been told We will march.